0: Have you ever had the feeling that what you did in your everyday life, your real life, as you might put it, is not quite uh, up to par when it comes to things that are holy, things that are sacred, things that are pleasing to God, and you are frustrated, maybe you want to do more, maybe you want to, uh, to, to follow God better, but you feel like most of your life is just sucked up into what we call secular work or things outside of the walls uh, of the church. That's you. And today's podcast is exactly what you need. Hi, I'm Pastor Will, and this is the first ever For Real Life and Godliness podcast. Taken straight from 2nd Peter chapter 1 verse 3 where it says that we have been given all things, all things that pertain to life and godliness. And so my whole point in this podcast, as long as it continues on, is to bring you some help, some insight into the real life applications of the Bible. Because if we're not living with the Bible uh, as the forefront of our minds in all things, then we are one, missing out on a huge huge uh, piece of who we have become and two we're not honoring God because his word says that everything we need for life and godliness are written in the Bible it's there for us to apply so that is what we're going to talk about today on the other side of this All right, so as I said, the For Real Life and Godliness podcast is really an experiment for me to bring to you something that can help, something that can turn your eyes towards Jesus in your everyday real life. Because my personal experience and opinion, and not really opinion now that I've kind of mentioned what the Word of God says about this subject, um, but my personal experience has been that when you begin to use the Word of God in real life, real life becomes a sacred life, no matter where you are. Whether you're at home with your wife, with your kids, in the car, driving to work, at work, dealing with customers, um, on a job site, managing projects, whatever you might be doing or in ministry, um, you... Are living a life that can be absolutely 100 glorifying and pleasing to God. Now, a lot of this came to me uh, when I was working by vocational ministry in Florida. I worked for a contractor on the first coast. I lived in Saint Augustine. We worked in Saint Augustine and Jacksonville as well as other places uh, all over North and Central Florida. And in that period of time, I went through a lot of uh, sessions of growth. One of the huge, one of the biggest, I guess plateaus of growth that I had to bust through in my life was the um, notion that when I was at work, I was not accomplishing kingdom work, that I wasn't doing things that were pleasing to God. And all I wanted to do was get into real ministry, into full-time ministry. And that was like my big thing for a long time. And I deal, you know, with bitterness about it a little bit. (laughs) And you think, you know, I want to do what everybody else is doing. And, you know, you see other people kind of going off in the ministry and they're doing all this stuff and you're the one stuck back there doing bivo and um you know and you're in your little church and just you feel like you're not doing what you were called to do. However, the reality was when I read in Colossians that no matter what I'm doing, I should do it as I'm doing it for God. It just switched in my mind and uh, changed my mindset. To a mindset that could see my project managing, my rides home from work with my coworkers in the truck, uh, my time in the office, the way I manage materials and orders and job sites and all that stuff as ways that I could please God with my life. And I even wrote in my truck, I had this little note on my dash. It was there for years. It said, God, uh, company time is God's time. Company's truck is God's truck. Company's money is God's money. And I began to live that way. I began to think that way. That was my mindset. And I had some coworkers who didn't really agree with that. And they were Chris. Well, they were Christians. Uh, but they did not believe that that was the case. They did not believe that, uh, what, that God's... And that what I had as far as a company had given me belonged to God in reality. Um, Even though if you were to talk to my boss, he was a good Christian guy and he would have told you the same thing. But in your mindset, your attitude, you have to see that no matter where you are, whether you're in a pulpit or you're in a pit digging out a hole in the ground uh, for something, which I've done also in my life, no matter what you're doing, it can be used for the glory of God just as much as anything else. And this idea is also brought out in a book, a great book, one if you have never read it, you need to read by A.W. Tozer called The Pursuit of God. He has, I think, chapter 10, The Sacrament of Living. Chapter 10, he speaks uh, at length on this subject. And he starts off with 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, that says, "Where uh, Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And throughout this, he gets to a point where he says that Paul uses the most mundane uh, life activities possible such as eating and drinking the most base level requirement of zoe which is life in peter uh second peter where it says life and godliness the word there is zoe which means just life it means just existing biological life everything we need for biological life and godliness which i would say is spiritual life both things are connected through the Word of God, and we've been given everything we need for both of those things. Corinthians here says, no matter what you're doing, even if you're just sitting down to eat and drink, do it for the glory of God, and that, if you get it, will change your level of internal peace especially if you're someone who's zealous about doing things for God, but you feel like you can never get anything done for God because you're doing all this other stuff. You're, you know, you're taking care of your family, you're working hard, and you're doing these things, and sometimes you don't make it to service on Wednesday nights, and sometimes you do, and, and you strive to do that, and you just can't do it all. Um, Tozer gives us some words on that. He says, one of the greatest hindrances to internal peace which the Christian encounters is the common habit of dividing our lives into two areas, the sacred and the secular. And this is 100% true. I see it all the time. I saw it in myself where you have work, what you call outside of church work, secular work, and you have sacred work. And it springs from the fact that we see those two worlds, so we have two different mindsets when it comes to those. He says that... um, one the the sacred side we perform with a sense of satisfaction and firm assurance that when we say sing a song read the bible pray or do devotions or go to church that those things are acceptable in god's sight but when we're on the job site and we're or we're doing our work, our grind our ten hours, twelve hour days, and we're grinding through life, sometimes we feel like, man, I'm really not accomplishing kingdom work here, and I want to do that and the whole entire point of this podcast is going to be breaking down that wall between the sacred and the secular the things that don't seem to go together but actually do. And in my personal um, philosophy, as I've been in ministry and in the Bible and studying the Bible for decades now at this point, um, stems back to Genesis, which is where everything should stem back to at some point. But the fact that we, at the beginning, were created as physical, carnal human beings who had a link to the spiritual. And so from the beginning... We have not been living in one or the other. We have always been a bridge between the two. And what that means is I'm not doing different things over here in my carnal life than I am over here in my spiritual life. Paul says in Romans chapter 12 that we present our bodies, our physical bodies, as living, active sacrifices that are pleasing to God and that they can prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And so my everyday carnal life, when lived by the principles of God's word, can be as an acceptable offering as going to church, singing worship songs, uh, or, or, or whatever. Here he said in uh, a little farther down the chapter, Paul's exhortation To do all things to the glory of God is more than a pious idealism, which means it's more than something that is just kind of pie in the sky, sounds good, but you can't ever actually attain it. That's not what he means. It's a a real thing. It's, It's real life. It is an integral part of the sacred revelation and is to be accepted as the very word of truth. And it opens to us the possibility of making every act of our life contribute to the glory of God, lest we should be too timid to include everything. So basically he's saying, you know, we might read it if it just said, do all things to God's glory, we might still exclude some of those things um, that were too mundane. And so he says, just so we didn't get it wrong, he uses two of the most basic rudimentary ideas possible, eating and drinking. He said, this humble privilege we share with the beasts that perish. Talking about animals, you know, who don't have, uh, have souls, eternal souls. He says, if these lowly animal acts can be so performed as to honor God, then it becomes difficult to conceive of one or any act that cannot. And he goes on, The monkish monkish hatred of the body, which figures so prominently in the works of certain early devotional writers, is wholly without support in the Word of God. Common modesty is found in the sacred scriptures, it is true, but never prudery or a false sense of shame. The New Testament accepts as a matter of course that in his incarnation our Lord took upon himself a real human body and no effort is made to steer around um, the downright implications of such a fact. He lived in that body among men and never once performed a non-sacred act, and we have to understand that. That if Jesus is the example for us, and he lived on life like we on earth like we do, and he had a life, and he had he grew tired, and he ate food, and he drank water, and he went from place to place and traveled, and he had different things he had to do in his life. I mean, you got to think he wasn't just sitting around being lazy for thirty years before his ministry started. It's very likely he worked with his father and his brothers as they grew up before he entered into his ministry publicly. And so every single thing he did from the time he was born to the time that he hung on the cross, I guess even until now, has been a sacred act. And there was not one thing that you can say that Jesus did on earth that was not sacred. And so if we are like him now, he has returned us to our creator and to the original purpose. Those things, again, remind us that we were created. are to live in this world. And Jesus walked into this world and did the exact same thing. He did exactly what we were created to do. And you cannot say that there was one act that he did that was not sacred, not holy, and not acceptable in God's sight. And so when we divide our lives between work and church and holy and non-holy and sacred and secular, then we're doing a disservice unto God be, uh, and to his creation and to his image and to his original purpose in the first place place now that was a mouthful maybe you didn't hear all that and maybe for a podcast i should slow down a little bit but it says he never once could possibly have performed a non-sacred act his presence in human as his toes are speaking again his presence and human flesh sweeps away forever the evil notion that there is about the human body something innately offensive to the deity and this is another crucial point which we're not going to recover too much today but i remember in student ministry i used to teach my students that your body in itself is not the is not the wickedness not the wickedness that you fight the impulses of selfishness are but your body itself as paul said in romans 12 and this is how i preach romans 12:1 he said your body is the only thing you can actually offer to god every single sacred act that you will ever do is carried out through your physical body Your prayer life, your actions, your charity, your sacrifices, how you work, and the money that you give is all done through your body, and you can't escape that fact. And so your body, if walking in the Spirit, physically, mentally speaking, and and through the Spirit, obviously, then your body is carrying out the holy work of God in your life. If you're applying His principles, you're living in His Word, and so there is... Nothing, as he said here, innately offensive to the deity in our human bodies. God created, Tozer says, God created our bodies, and we do not offend him by placing the responsibility where it belongs. He is not ashamed of the work of his own hands. And he goes on, obviously, the caveat, because everyone's going to get up and say, what, the flesh is evil. Well, the impulse of the flesh, the sin impulse, obviously is evil. And he covers that in the next paragraph. He says, Perversion, misuse, and abuse of our human powers should give us cause enough to be ashamed. Bodily acts done in sin, contrary to nature, can never honor God. And notice that. It says, Contrary to nature. We often talk about our, our physical bodies as having the nature of sin, and that's true because of the the influence of the original sin. But that was not how it was from the beginning. We do have a nature that God created us with, what he created us in his image all the way back again, I said, in Genesis. And we're going to go to Genesis a lot in this podcast because most of my philosophy of life comes from Genesis and the idea of how man and woman were created. And um, But in the original idea of what man was, we were holy. We had a body, a physical body, and every act of that body would have been an act of worship and holiness and reflection of God's character because he designed us in his image. And that's what he's saying here. Bodily acts of sin, though, that go against the original nature, which was would have been holy, can never honor God. Wherever the human will introduce moral evil, we have no longer our innocent, harmless powers as God made them. We instead... Uh, We have instead an abused and twisted thing that can never bring glory to the Creator. Let us, however, he says, assume that perversion and abuse are not present. Let us think of a Christian believer in whose life the twin wonders of repentance and the new birth have been wrought or done. He is now living according to the will of God as he understands it to be written from the Word of God. And such a one, it may be said, that every act of his life is or can be truly sacred as prayer and baptism or the Lord's Supper. To say this is not to bring all acts down to one dead level. It is rather to lift up every act unto a living kingdom and turn the whole life into a sacrament. And so... That notion, and I began in my life by learning it from Colossians, and when I read this, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, man, that's what I've been thinking this whole time. And he just summed it up a whole lot better than I could have. And it really comes back to the idea that our bodies were created in the image of God, our spirits were too, and as a one whole, were we without sin, every single act of physical being, which we would still be doing if Adam hadn't sinned, like eating, drinking, sleeping, and other things, those are all acceptable acts before God. They can all be holy. They can all be sacred. Some things are more important. Maybe witnessing to somebody is more important than than accomplishing your project uh, with excellence. However... Accomplishing a project with excellence, not stealing from your company, not misusing funds, those things are absolutely within the realm of the kingdom of God, even though you may not be winning someone's soul. However... I will say that if you're trying to witness to somebody on your job site and you are a slack leader or you are a thief or you don't treat company time like you ought to, that you will be much less effective, if effective at all, in winning anybody because you cannot please God by living slack. And that just goes back to our whole, you know, uh, creation as men that we are created to work. And that's what he gave Adam to do. Right out the bat, he he said, hey, you have things to do. He says, be fruitful and multiply, which is a great part, right? But he also goes and says that, hey, you have to tend the garden. You have responsibilities to do. And this is part of our life. And so stop allowing the lack of opportunity to do church work or sacred work cause you to have a lack of peace in your life know that everything you do in your life can be used for the glory of god no matter how mundane you might think it is and to think from this point forward now that you understand this and it's in colossians and first corinthians it's also in proverbs where it says acknowledge him in all your ways that means to consider god in every single part of your life it's just the same principle written in different ways throughout the bible and so now that you know that You are responsible to start living in that vein. And to not treat your secular job as being sacred work given to you by God to accomplish is to sin. Because it says to him that knows to do right, does it not, is sin. So, you need to understand that every single facet of your life is stretched between the physical and the spiritual as a bridge. Not as in a separated, compartmentalized idea. God is as interested in your good work at work as he is singing the worship song in the pew or giving of your tithe or your offering and those kind of things. And then you get this, you'll find much more peace because you are no longer stretched in the sense of I'm going over here to do sacred stuff for a little while, then I'm going to spend the rest of my life doing secular stuff. But all of it, is brought to god in one time in one place and it's all sacred it's all holy we're living out the original intent of the creator as he restores us to relationship with him that's what jesus does and we'll talk more about how he is the perfect man later on and how he's returning um, us to our original intent in uh, further podcasts but that today is about 25 minutes, much longer than I anticipated doing in the first place. So we're going to call it quits for today. Again, this has been the For Real Life and Godliness podcast. I am your host, Pastor Will. Until next time, remember, the Word of God is for real life and godliness. That's probably a horrible ending. I need to work on that.